This is the first episode in a four-part podcast series looking at a new comprehensive research by the Media Innovation Center at the Aga Khan University in Nairobi in collaboration with the DW Academy, focusing on media viability in three East African countries, Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania. I'm joined on this episode by Njoki Chege, Director, Media Innovation Center at Aga Khan University, and Hesborn Hansen Owila, a research associate at the Aga Khan University Graduate School of Media and Communications. I am Dickens Olewe. My first question is, what was the motivation behind doing this research? Okay, so one of the motivations of doing this research is so that we were we can be able to design interventions in the form of uh, workshops for journalists and media practitioners across East Africa. We realized that um, a lot of the data that we were working with um, was actually not very in-depth data, uh, and we needed to have much more um, nuanced, much more granular data on the state of media innovation in East Africa. Um, And the only way to do that is through having an in-depth a study that focuses on, you know, different facets of uh, media viability in East Africa, specifically, um, you know, from an innovation uh, perspective, uh, you know, disaster preparedness, um, issues of um, staffing, news content, and and all that. So one of the motivations was uh, so that we could be able to design um, meaningful interventions in the form of um, workshops and, and even sometimes um, having discussions with, uh, with the academia on, on how we can um, include some of our findings and um, some of the insights into um, you know, uh, scholarship. Hesbon, can you talk about the scale of, of this uh, research? How many news organizations and journalists took part? One of the studies that I would say covered uh, the East African region quite comprehensively. So when you when we started the study, um, the number of news media organizations in East Africa that we mapped out, you know, through different sources was 683 that were producing news at least once a week because we were looking at a news media organization and essentially these are news media organizations that produce original news at least once a week. So out of 683, we managed to collect data from 437 news media organizations in in, in, uh, East Africa. That's 64% across uh, the East African region. Then in terms of uh, the number of media houses uh, per country, In Kenya, we ended up with 131 uh, media houses that had at least uh, a journalist or a media manager respond to the questionnaire. Uh, In Tanzania, we had uh, 170 media houses that had at least one media manager or uh, one journalist respond. In Uganda, we had 136. So that gave us a total of 437 in East Africa. Uh, if you break down that into journalists, I think uh, in Kenya, we had 291 journalists who responded. Uh, in uh, Tanzania, we had 331, uh, 321 journalists who responded, uh, while in Uganda, we had 202 journalists mm-hmm. who uh, responded. 
So across across the, the three East African countries, you'd say that we had at least 30% of media houses uh, represented, with Tanzania having the highest at 39 and Kenya the lowest at 30%. One of the things that, uh, you know, reading the report that uh, I would want us to discuss is, you know, this term media viability. I mean, what exactly do you mean by by that term, Anjoki? So media viability is... Um, according to our understanding, the capacity of news media organizations to produce high quality journalism that is um, financially or commercially sustainable. Now, we know this sounds sort of like a a paradox because um, first and foremost, um, when it comes to this um, region, specifically East African region, we we are finding very low levels of um, willingness to pay. And and, I, and we know this because um, while we have paywalls locally, we also have very few numbers of people um, paying for news. One of the large news organizations here, I think the Nation Media Group, has about maybe 20,000 people paying every day for news. Um, so that's uh, the uptake is not so high, and and maybe it might take a while to take uh, for people to start paying for news. But I think from a media viability perspective, we want to be in a position where we are creating news that people would actually uh, be compelled to pay for. People would feel that um, they you know they need to support journalism. So there's so many ways that. Um, media viability could work, whether it's through paywalls or, or, or memberships or even just general um, goodwill towards the media. So that's what we understand media viability to be. If, if I can just read this you know, bit that I, I got from the report, uh, most of the digital uh, news media organizations that participated in the study uh, and responded to the question of revenue sources appear not to be as innovative in revenue generation uh, then it goes on to say they all appear to be in favor the, uh, of traditional revenue sources like commercial advertising, government advertising, funding, uh, sponsored content, and all that. And, and, and I don't know how, you know, reading that, and I'm just thinking, hang on a minute, um, the digital uh, platforms that were meant to be the future, but it looks like in terms of sustainability, they're looking back, Esbon. Yeah, uh I think the data is, is is probably giving us indications of uh, what most people have always uh, you know believed that for most organizations there is that belief that uh, being on the digital platform in itself is an end. So most of the news media organizations that are on the digital platform, especially the digital natives. Uh, according to the data, are essentially not going beyond the traditional, uh, you know, revenue generating uh, models that we have. So to the extent that they move beyond the traditional ones, you realize that majority of them are just being sponsored advertising. And that's where, you know, most of them are. And, and that, that explains the fact that uh, they're still struggling with uh, paid downloads. They're still tr- struggling uh, to some extent with uh, the commercialization of content. Are they creating value for the audiences? We didn't get deep in the nuances of the kind of content that, uh, you know, uh, I mean, the, the, the values that they're creating from the content. Uh, our focus was just on uh, these are the revenue uh, generating uh, models. These are the streams that we have. And in East Africa, we got up to 12, you know. 
So media houses in East Africa have up to 12. But the ones that they pick predominantly that bring in revenues, they are not out of this world. They're just the traditional revenue models of uh, commercial ads, uh, government sponsorship, you know, um, sponsored uh, content, which seems to be a lot more pronounced on the digital platform. But I would say that there was no sense of innovation uh, that came out of the digital natives. Neither did we see much of innovation in the multimedia platforms. You just preempted my question there. How did you define innovation here? So essentially what, what we were looking at, we were asking them on certain indicators that would tell them whether the media house is innovative or not. So among the many factors that uh, successful innovations uh, you know, have is the rate at which they adopt technology, the rate at which they you know, allow uh, uh, journalists within the media houses you know, to experiment with new ideas. So we had quite a number of, 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 of uh, uh, measures that we used to assess an organization's innovation. One thing that I also found uh, interesting and especially timely with your report is that you know, it was slam in the middle of the pandemic. I'm wondering, Joki, what perceptions did you have uh, going into this that you either had confirmed or dismissed by after, you know, reading your findings? You know, from a general perspective, uh, the pandemic really um, impacted um, local news media organizations. And I think there was one media organization that uh, literally lost hundreds of millions after uh, the announcement of the first COVID case was made in early March uh, of 2020 by the Minister of, of, of Health. Is that in Kenya? Absolutely, yes, in, in, in Kenya. So the, they lost hundreds of millions of Kenya shillings in the form of cancellations of, of contracts, advertising contracts, and just advertisers um, pulling out because of the uncertainty of um, COVID-19. So one of the perceptions that you know we had was that um, the media had um, you know, business continuity plans, um, disaster preparedness plans, um, and even strategies for how to um, deal um, with, with uh, for how to manage content and publish content in the era uh, or in the event of, uh, of a pandemic. What was found was that um, there was very little preparedness um, for such, a, you know, for such kind of, a, uh, of an event. And also, I think the one thing that we also have to realize is that a lot of uh, the plans that we saw um, in terms of content and digital strategies, and we're talking about paywalls and, and all that, a lot of those plans that we saw were actually plans that had been put off until, let's say, 2023, 2024. But because of COVID, they forced these news media organizations to bring mm. forward some of these plans. And, and, and this really speaks to um, strategy uh, of, of an innovation strategy for news uh, media organization. At what point did they you know, drop the ball, uh, so to speak? Because a lot of these uh, strategies that we saw in 2020 should have even been done earlier, let alone the fact that they were put off 
until maybe 2023. So that speaks to um, something about business continuity, about strategy, and also about um, the capacity of some of these news media organizations to, to think ahead and to anticipate uncertainties. You talked about Kenya there. Let's talk about Tanzania and Uganda. Uh, and from the report, media organizations in both uh, in those uh, two countries uh, weathered the storms much better. I mean, what, what was it that uh, made them, uh, you know, were they better prepared or were they probably not big enough in scale and therefore a little bit more agile than the Kenyan counterparts? From the data that, that uh, we had and the analysis that we did, uh, Kenya actually fared much, much worse compared to Uganda and Tanzania as far as COVID-19 is uh, concerned. Uh, and of course, uh, what, partly what explains that uh, is the fact that, you know, the media in Kenya is a lot more concentrated. And then in terms of loss of revenue, loss of advertising, the findings actually indicate that it is the big media houses that suffered more. So at a global level, you realize that most of the big media houses in Kenya that are in the hands of a few owners suffered a great deal. But if you look at Tanzania and Uganda, uh, at least their media is slightly a lot more distributed, not, not, not overly concentrated, especially Uganda. So there are so many media houses in Uganda and different owners, including three kingdoms that own media houses. And to a large extent, because the advertising market is not concentrated in a few of these media houses, uh, in, in, in Uganda, there was less of loss of revenues, uh, less of uh, loss of advertising revenues. But uh, certainly for the three countries, they all realized increase you know, in audience consumption. So what happens is, in as much as our data is showing that the media suffered loss of revenues uh, uh, during the pandemic, uh, the media suffered decrease in demand for advertising, I think there were glimmers of hope in the sense that audiences were a lot more glued in the media. And because the pandemic came with so many protocols, uh, there was that seamless shift, you know, that, that, that uh, just took people to digital platforms that were less contact driven and you realize that the media in Kenya, Uganda and Tanzania, if we leave Tanzania out, the media in Kenya and Uganda, they sort of, you know, uh, made use of the digital platform to try and distribute, uh, to try and reach uh, the audiences with uh, more content. But Tanzania fared better uh, because uh, the restrictions that we saw in Kenya and Uganda were not there in Tanzania. So Tanzania fared slightly better. There was uh, Loss of revenues, of course, but then it was not as, as uh, high as, as uh, Kenya and Uganda. There was reduction in advertising because, of course, the pandemic affected the advertising market globally. But I would say Kenya, Kenya suffered more, uh, and uh, our explanation of that is rooted in the literature that we did before that, the, the, the high concentration of the media. So there are a few big media houses in Kenya, and then it's the big media houses that suffered more in terms of loss of revenue. Okay. And Njoki, I want to take you back to, you know, uh, earlier we were talking about the definition of media viability. Uh, and you said that, you know, the measure also includes, you know, producing quality journalism, you know, journalism that meets the standards uh, of objectivity and, you know, uh, uh, truth uh, and, you know, verifiable facts. Uh, and, 
there, there are. I mean, obviously during the pandemic, a lot has been appended. Uh, but how how are you feeling? I mean, what's the sense uh, that you're getting in terms of uh, sustainability of producing that kind of journalism, especially in in environments where you know there are threats from uh, uh, governments. Uh, you're increasingly having a situation where advertisers uh, are increasingly increasingly having uh, editorial influence. So, how how what's your read on on the threats and opportunities of sustainability in the three East African countries? Like you rightly said, there are several threats to uh, media viability. Amongst them, government interference. Um, you know, like for example, there were cases of um, media harassment in, in in Uganda, and and also um, advertisers pulling out because they have now other options in the form of digital media and and all that. So first of all, I think it's important for us to realize that um, high quality journalism is 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 not a cheap affair. It doesn't come cheap. It it takes a lot of resources to get the right journalists. It takes a lot of resources to put them on the ground and, and to do stories that are you know, objective and um, independent and, and, and bold. So there, there are all these um, threats and also the, the, the threat sometimes could also be um, from a market perspective. Um, while we understand that um, you know, audiences have um, an appreciation for high quality journalism, um, sometimes they also there is a good chunk of audiences who don't who do not see the value of of paying even for high quality journalism. So that's that is a threat in itself. But also the opportunity here is that um, this is a, a really good time for local media organizations to start thinking about alternative sources of uh, revenue. Um, we we've understood and we know that. A paywall might take quite a while, especially in East Africa, to break even um, for many reasons, including economic reasons, um, where we are having um, Africans, um, you know, live on, you know, a, a good number of Africans living on less than two dollars um, a day. It, it becomes very difficult to start asking them to pay for news. While on the other side of the uh, spectrum, there are those people who actually believe in um, in high quality news and they would pay for it. So this is an opportunity for the media to start thinking about how else can they make money to start paying for journalism. So we are seeing um, them tinkering with different kinds of um, advertising like native advertising is now becoming um, quite popular in local media. We are having uh, local media organizations setting up digital agencies to support uh, their clients. Um, we are having them getting into partnerships uh, with um, content, uh, with sorry, with advertisers to create content. We are seeing them um, doing events as a form of uh, new sources of, uh, of revenue and just doing some very unconventional things. Um, like um, there was, a, I think there was an event, uh, you know, dedicated to just meet, um, you know, meet literally the other day. So there are all these interesting things that local media is doing to um, sort of pay for, for journalism. But the big question that we haven't really, um, you know, gotten answers from local media is that how much of this 
um, revenue actually goes back to the newsroom because that's, uh, that has been a significant uh, discussion of all the profits that they've been making over the years from even the, you know, the golden age of Kenyan journalism in, uh, you know, 2012 to around 2015, thereabout, when they were making some good profits, how much of those billions was actually plowed back to the newsroom in support of uh, journalism. So these are some of the threats and opportunities to media availability. I was just thinking of uh, an entrepreneur, uh, you know, somebody uh, who's probably thinking of starting, um, you know, a media startup uh, in East Africa. What, what do you think they will take out of this? Which country should they be in? Um, which uh, platform should they be investing in? Uh, and also which country also offers, you know, better, uh, a better environment for them to operate? In terms of uh, which platform, because we looked at three, we looked at uh, the, the legacy platforms of uh, print, uh, radio, TV, then we went to multimedia and digital. So in terms of platform, it, it doesn't look like the data is, uh, you know, clear on which platform is the most lucrative. Mm -hmm. You know, so when you looked at all the five uh, platforms, we realized that at the end of the day, uh, if you look at the quality of journalism, and we, we also had so many indicators of the quality of journalism, which after the fact analysis, just, you know, boiled down to three, good journalistic practice, uh, payment of journalists, and independence. So irrespective of which platform uh, an entrepreneur goes for, those three are very uh, important. So good journalistic practice has a correlation with the financial situation and financial performance. So most of the uh, news media organization that had good journalistic practices, you know, whether it's fact-checking, uh, journalists are free and independent to do their stuff, there is a rigorous editorial process, their financial situation and financial performance was fairly better. And then if you look at uh, uh, journalism uh, uh, pay, the payment that journalists are given, again, across the five, we also realize that uh, if the journalism pay is better, then the financial situation and financial performance is also better. So the correlation was not very, very strong, you know, but the level of significance was very, very high, you know. For most of them, the data is indicating that it's not by chance that media houses that pay their journalists better are having better financial performance and, and a better financial situation. Then lastly uh, is independence. So the media houses that are independent, we also found that are likely to be more uh, you know, proficient in their financial situation and perform better. Now, in terms of the countries, which, which country would you want to, to, to uh, invest in as a media entrepreneur? I think Kenya has a robust economy. Uh, the freedom indicators in Kenya from our previous study that, that came before this, uh, you know, is, is fairly conducive for any media investment. But Kenya has a challenge with the legal framework. Uh, you know, the rule of law index is very low in Kenya. So in terms of the market, Kenya offers the best market in terms of advertising, and that uh, freedom. Uh, if you go to Tanzania, I think the legislative framework uh, in the last uh, you know, five or so years has not been very, very friendly to the media. 
especially the digital media. But Tanzania offers uh, a market that is not fully exploited like the Kenyan market. So there is a niche for anyone who goes to Tanzania, especially in the rural Tanzania. I, I don't think the media has reached the rural Tanzania. Uh, and, and if you just package your, 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 your media enterprise uh, uh, better and focus on the three indicators of pay journalists well, be independent, uh, and then invest in the quality of products uh, that, that, that you produce, Tanzania offers that, that, that very uh, you know, uh, niche, uh, offers a niche that you can tap on. Uh, Uganda, I think Uganda is overpopulated uh, with, with uh, news media outlets. So there, there is a lot of competition in Uganda for a fairly small market. Uh, and the biggest challenge in Uganda is that uh, Uganda seems to be facing the harshest, you know, uh, sources of influence on independence and freedom of journalists. So the media houses in Uganda face a lot of political in, uh, intimidation, face a lot of uh, interference from uh, powers that be and advertisers. And again, you realize that in Uganda, there are only two major conglomerates. So one is government owned, and then the other one is private. And they have a fairly wider market. So in as much as there are so many other media outlets, a lot of the money goes to just two. Uh, media outlet. So if you get into that competition, you'll be thinking of, uh, you know, unshackling mm -hmm. uh, the big two uh, in Uganda and then dealing with political interference. Thank you for listening. This episode is part of a series looking at a new comprehensive research by the Media Innovation Center at the Aga Khan University in Nairobi in collaboration with the DW Academy. Focusing on media viability in three East African countries. Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania. I am Dickens Olewe.